Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21 here in just a couple of minutes, actually almost immediately. We're continuing our series of looking at the words of Jesus from the gospel of John. And this section that we're going to look at today, 3, 1 through 21, contains some of the most well-known statements of Jesus, as well as a few statements of Jesus that aren't quite as well-known. Today's message is titled, Jesus Speaks About the New Birth. So let's go uh, directly to the text, follow along as I read, again, 3, 1 through 21. I think it'll be on the screen as well. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Don't you just love Uh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you people do not (laughs) accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So this man, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus at night. As the text tells us, he was a Pharisee, a member of the ruling council. He was a respected religious leader. And it appears that he was coming to Jesus on behalf of not only himself, uh, but a group of people because he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. So it, it seems as though there were those within the Pharisees who thought 
that there was something special about Jesus. He was a messenger from God, but they weren't entirely certain what to make of him. And so Nicodemus is coming to inquire. He's coming to find out more. He is coming to further investigate Jesus. We're told that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. And there's no real consensus why he came at night. Some think it was to be discreet. Uh, likely this group of Pharisees that thought there was something special about him had probably not gone public with their thoughts because uh, many within the group of Pharisees had very different views of Jesus. So perhaps he came at night to avoid being seen. Uh, Perhaps it was merely to avoid the crowds that would have likely been around Jesus during the day. Uh, It was, you know, a quieter and, and easier time for prolonged dialogue. We, we don't know for sure why he came at night, but we do know that he approaches Jesus with a respectful tone, calling him rabbi, which indicated that Nicodemus thought he could learn something from Jesus. And of course, we share Nicodemus' thought. That's why we are looking at the words of Jesus, because we know that we can learn from him. Now, we know that he's more than Nicodemus realized him to be. Nicodemus was right that he is a teacher that has come from God. But what Nicodemus didn't understand that many of us today have come to understand is that Jesus is not only a teacher come from God, Jesus is a teacher who is God. And so we need to listen to him and we need to learn from him. Nicodemus begins, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And you can almost feel as you're reading this that that Nicodemus is just taking the breath at the end of the sentence and now he's about to launch in to his questions. But Jesus doesn't give him that opportunity because Jesus has some things that he wants to tell Nicodemus. Nicodemus came with his list of questions, but Jesus is going to take control of the conversation, and he does. He takes the conversation where he wants it to go. And here's where Jesus wanted the conversation to go. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What we're reading about today is Jesus speaking on the necessity of being born again, the necessity of the new birth. Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus means, just as many today struggle to understand what it means to be born again. And so Nicodemus asks a question, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus responds this way, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of God. Now, when Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless we ought to pay attention. He ought to have our full attention. Jesus is telling Nicodemus and us 
how it is that people come to belong to him, how it is that people are able to escape the kingdom of darkness and enter his kingdom, which includes all the promises associated with his kingdom, including the promise of eternal life. In these verses 3 through 8, I think we find three key points. The first one is that to enter the kingdom of God, as I've said multiple times now, a person must be born again. The phrase can be translated either born again or born from above. There has to be a second birth. There has to be a new birth. Our physical birth does not secure our place in the kingdom of God. We have to be born again. We have to be born from above. We have to be born spiritually. Secondly, we learn that we must be born of water and the Spirit. Now, I have to be honest and tell you, and many of you already know, that verse 5 is one of the more debated verses in Scripture in a very specific way. The debate is all about what of water means. Many options are available, all with their, you know, arguments for and arguments against. I'll, I'll share a few of the options with you. Some have suggested that of water refers to baptism. Some have suggested that of water refers to repentance, uh, taking that from the fact that the baptism that John the Baptist baptized people into was a baptism of repentance. Some say it's another reference to the Spirit. So it would be like really emphasizing this is a birth of the Spirit. Uh, And others have suggested that water is a reference to physical birth. I'm not sure which one it is. But if you were to back me into a corner and say, Brian, you must answer this question for me. Which one is it? Uh, I would say one of these two. I think it is either a reference to repentance or physical birth. And if you were to then, as you have me backed into the corner, you were to pull out a gun and say, now we must know, you must commit to one of these, which one is it? If forced to choose, I would probably choose that it's a reference to physical birth. Here's why. I think that it best fits with the next verse, which says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And I also think it fits well with the context. The idea would be that physical birth, and in the case of Nicodemus, birth into this privileged group of people, these chosen people of God, the Jewish nation, is not sufficient to enter God's kingdom. In addition to this privileged birth that you have, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And of course, there is application for us as one of the greatest misconceptions in the world today is that people are children of God by virtue of their natural birth into the world that God created. Nicodemus, I think, is saying to, uh, uh, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus and to us, not so. More is necessary. Another type of birth is necessary. You must be born of water and of the Spirit. 
But whatever the meaning of water is, here's what's certain. Jesus teaches very clearly, with no equivocation, no uncertainty, no wiggle room, that in order to enter the kingdom of God, a person must be born again, and that this is a spiritual birth. Third, Jesus says something very interesting. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And then here's the thing I think is quite interesting. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This verse lets us know something very important. Being born again is not the result of human effort. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Roger Erickson writes something about verse 8 that I uh, thought would be helpful to us. Birth from above cannot be manipulated or programmed. It is a gift given in God's own way and time, an act of sovereign grace. It is a birth as mysterious as the wind, which comes and goes as it will, unseen yet real. This breath of God brings life, not capriciously, but according to his gracious purpose. New birth is an act of God. It is something, uh, it's not something that we can do or experience until the Spirit of God blows on us and enables it in us. This new birth can only be done by the Spirit of God because what's happening in the new birth is not the reformation of a person from bad to good. What is happening in the new birth is that dead people are being brought to life. It's very different. Not a reformation from bad to good, but dead people coming to life. And this can only happen by the Spirit of God, by the power of God. So Jesus taught Nicodemus that we must be born again and that new birth is an act of the Spirit, an act of God. And then Nicodemus in verse 9 asks again, how can this be? Basically, he's asking, how can a person be born again? Yes, you've told me I must be. Yes, you've told me that it only happens through the Spirit. What else do I need to know? How do I enter into this? And Jesus spends verses 10 through 13 uh, essentially scolding. Nicodemus, that, that, he's not, that he's not getting this. Uh, but then he answers his question in verses 13 through 17. In these verses, 13 through 17, Jesus explains how a person is born again. And by the way, if you've ever heard someone say that Jesus never preached the same gospel that Paul preached, verses 13 through 17 show you that they do not know what they are talking about. Okay, I'm not going to go down that trail. Come back, Brian. Here we go. So Jesus explains in these verses how a person is born again. And here's what he says. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So in response to this question of how a person can be born again, Jesus tells Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up that snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, so I, 
must be lifted up. And everyone who believes in me is going to have eternal life. If you're not familiar with this reference, it is a reference to a time in the Old Testament where the children of Israel were wandering around the desert. And they started to murmur against God and they started to to move into unbelief. And so to discipline them, uh, which God sometimes does, to, to discipline them and to try to get them to repent of their unfaithfulness. God's, God's discipline is always loving. It is always intention for the person's good. And so to do that, God did something quite interesting. He sent serpents among them. And when they were bit by these serpents, it brought disease and death. But as God always does when he sends judgment, he also provides a way to escape the judgment. There's always a way to escape because God is merciful and gracious. And so he instructed Moses to make a bronze snake and to place it on a pole. And the people who were bitten by the snakes and became sick unto death If they would then look up at the serpent on the pole, they would be healed. They would be saved when in faith they looked to the means of grace that God had provided them. So just like the snake was lifted up on a pole, the Son of Man, Jesus, would be lifted up on a cross. And everyone who would look to him in faith Jesus told Nicodemus, would be saved. This is Jesus' answer for how people are born again. They look to him, lifted up on the cross, trusting that he is their means of salvation. So we're born again when we look to Jesus lifted up. We place our faith in him. Verse 16 reemphasizes verses 13 and 14. The most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When we are born again, when we're born from above, when we believe in Jesus, entry into God's kingdom comes with the assurance of eternal life. Aren't you thankful for that today? The assurance of eternal life. And then verse 17 assures us that God did not come to condemn us, but to save us. So this is how we're born again. This is how we receive eternal life. This is how we're saved. We believe in God's one and only Son, lifted up on the cross. Listen, if you have never been born again, Jesus is speaking to you from John 3. He's telling you that it is not enough that you were created in his image and born into this world that he created. That doesn't gain you entrance to his kingdom. You're still spiritually dead. He's telling you that you must be born again, that you must look to him on the cross, look to Jesus on the cross, and believe in him if you want to be part of his kingdom, if you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal life. Let me talk for a minute to the self-identified Christians here. I am convinced, and there just are a growing number of 
uh, Christian leaders around the country that are, are becoming more and more convinced that one of the greatest problems facing the church today is Christians who have never been born again. You see, there is a spiritual dynamic to the new birth that goes beyond saying, yes, I agree that salvation is found in Christ. A person can say that, can mentally agree with that, and not have been born again. I am fearful that there are too many people who say they agree with the Bible, but haven't actually been brought to spiritual life. Roger Fredrickson is helpful again. He writes, The new birth is not some experience we add to our old way of thinking or acting. We have had far too much of this in our churches. People living the old life, ignorant like Nicodemus. They may go through the motions of religion, but there is no reality in it. We have asked people to repeat the right words. And we have been running in circles, doing things, taking on more projects, and desperately trying to behave right. But at the center of existence... In their deepest selves, people have been untouched and unchanged. Then they have covered up the old unconverted self with churchly language. We say, of course, he was baptized. Yes, she's been a member here for years. You know what a great job they've done serving in ministry. And all the time, many of these people are empty and needy, spiritually bankrupt. Listen, and please hear this clearly. People who are truly born again will go through periods of time when their spiritual life is rather dry. Most of us will experience dark nights of the soul where it feels as though we have just been cut off from the presence of God. If you are in a dry place right now, it does not mean that you haven't been born Again, But just as you heard that, also hear this. If you say you're a Christian, but you would also say that you have never really sensed a spiritual awakening in your life, you've never felt truly spiritually alive, you've repeated words and served like Christians do, you, you go to small group, but you know that inside you are spiritually empty You know that inside you are spiritually dead, and that is how it has always been. Then, friend, you need to be born again. You need to cry out to God for his spirit to move on you in in a way that enables you to encounter the crucified and risen Christ and genuinely believe in him in such a way that you experience the new birth, you sense spiritual life, you know that you are alive, you know that you're new. And it can happen for you. It can happen even today. It does not appear from Scripture that Nicodemus ever experienced the new birth. It seems as though he continued to respect and admire Jesus, but never experienced new birth for himself. I am afraid that too many people count 
respect and admiration for Jesus as being a Christian, belonging to God, having entered the kingdom of God. But friends, it isn't. To be a Christian, to belong to God, to be part of the kingdom of God, Jesus says. I don't say. Jesus says, you must be born again. Christianity is not about making bad people good. It is about making dead people alive. And Jesus isn't done speaking. Look at verses 18 through 20. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. These words of Jesus have great relevance for us today. To a world that doesn't know God but knows just enough of the Bible, to berate every believer who ever suggests that they need to turn to Christ in faith with some statement like this, Jesus said he didn't come to condemn the world. So why don't you just get off my back with all your I have to believe in Jesus stuff. Jesus takes that and hears what Jesus says in response. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Jesus did not come to condemn the world because the world and every rebellious person in it is already condemned. To those who reject the truth about Jesus, Jesus gives them no leeway. He he doesn't say, oh, you're right. God hasn't given you enough evidence to believe. He doesn't say, oh, yes, yes, I understand. You are too intelligent to believe these myths that I keep trying to tell you about. No, here's what Jesus says. Meek and mild, never disagrees with anybody, Jesus. Here's what he says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were and are evil. People refuse the new birth and new life because they love darkness, according to Jesus. Jesus calls it like it is. People will not come into the light because light reveals their evil deeds, exposes their evil. This is, I I, I believe, the, the number one reason for unbelief. We want what we want, and we don't want God telling us we can't have what we want, can't act like we want, can't do what we want. Unbelief is almost never the result of conscientious searching and concluding that Jesus doesn't stand up to the scrutiny. It is almost always the result of not really wanting to see the truth, not really wanting to see the light, because we don't like what the truth, we don't like what the light means for how we want to live. I was having lunch with someone this week who reminded me that many of the well-known atheists throughout history have admitted as much as this. 
They cannot bear the thought of a God that they are accountable to. And so they have decided there isn't one. And then Jesus says something about those who are born again. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what he has done has been done through God. I feel like this is a bit of a difficult statement to understand, but my my study this week led me to the conclusion that it basically means that those who are born again are those who love light and truth. People who don't love light and truth, they reject Jesus. God's Spirit never seems to be able to get through to them. But those who love light, those who love truth, they are the ones that God's Spirit is able to get through to. They are the ones that God's Spirit moves upon. They are the ones who receive Jesus. They are the ones who are born again. Let me speak a word of hope here today. If you have somebody you love who is stuck in unbelief right now, it's not the end of their story. If they truly are seeking, if they truly love truth and light, the Spirit of God is going to find them. Somewhere, somehow, he's going to get through to them. So what about you? Which kind of person are you? Do you love darkness? Right, that's kind of a kind of a rough way to present things to people. Who who wants to admit that they love darkness? Friends, again, this is this is what Jesus has said. People love darkness. Be honest with yourself. Do you love darkness or do you love light and truth? Jesus speaks from John 3. He tells us we must be born again. He tells us that it is his spirit and his spirit alone that enables us to be. He tells us it happens when we respond in faith to Christ, sent by the Father because of his love for us. He tells us why some refuse the new birth. And he tells us those who receive the new birth are those who love truth and light. Jesus speaks. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Have you been born again? Many here today have believed on Jesus and have been born again. They've experienced this new birth, and they have become new people. And I want to read a few testimonies from folks in this congregation who have been made new, taken from our own testimony portraits that hang around the building. If you have not taken time to go around the building and read those, you will be blessed and encouraged if you take a few minutes to do that. Stories of people born again. Stories of people who have experienced new birth in Christ. Here's one of the testimonies. I was enslaved to alcohol. I prayed to God to help me. The very next day, my urge to drink was gone, and it never returned. That's the testimony of George Norton. How does that happen? You become a new person. You get born again. Here's one. I was told lots of times that I had a lot of mean in me. I still have some, but I've found God, believe my sins are forgiven, 
and I'm surrounding myself with people who help me follow the path God has laid out for me. That's Mo Molinar, who I can't believe anybody ever thought was mean because he's been made new. Lost in the cult of unity for 10 years, I was deceived by half-truth and filled with pride. Rescued by God's voice, I sought his truth. Now I am forever committed to Jesus Christ. That's Marlene Spangler. If there's anybody ever been born again, Marlene Spangler. She's a fine Christian woman, born again, rescued from false religion. Here's a good one. When I met God, I was fearful, insecure, hopeless, angry, and empty. But then, when I let him grab hold of my heart, he transformed me. Listen to this final line of this testimony. Now my life is new. My spirit is alive. And I am filled with his love. Jana Brandon. God makes us new. For all of us who've experienced this new birth that Jesus has spoken about in John 3, let us always appreciate what God has done for us and rejoice in his goodness to us. And if you're here today and you've not been born again, Jesus says you must be. He says you can be. When in response to his spirit, you look at Jesus, lift it up on the cross, and you believe in him. Why don't you stand?